Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT, or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send your questions to Facebook or Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle that is at SWAT Radio Talk. And we will be sure to answer those questions the next time that we are on the air. Today's Monday. Doug, what's going on today? Well, um, I don't know if you caught the briefing this morning. Al Moeller uh, puts out a daily thing called the briefing that's uh, always very good because he typically reads a lot of the news and what's going on in culture and then gives a Christian perspective on it. And that's what really led to the first segment uh, of our program being Mm -hmm. like that. We just kind of take some of these issues. And one of the issues that he brought up today was the moral revolution that we're seeing that's really on a roller coaster pace. I I shouldn't say a roller coaster pace like I would say a lightning bolt pace uh, for our culture if you think about what's happening and how our country has been transformed. And he was talking about a moral revolution uh, from a guy named Theo Hobson, uh, who was a British liberal thinker who who defined what that is. He said, that which was repudiated must be celebrated. That which was celebrated must be repudiated. And those who will not celebrate must themselves be, themselves be repudiated. In other words, he says, when you look at the picture of the West, of the Western society, uh, on like a say a LGBTQ issue, and and all the previous centuries, you know, if you go all the way back, pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, all of them held that they were basically opposed to nature. LGBTQ was in opposition to one God's design and two nature. I mean, that was just held as a basic belief by most people. And, and so it was an opposition to morality, to the known laws. I mean, there were laws passed because uh, they were Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. in this country. And throughout most of the centuries, um, if you would have said some of those things back in, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, people would have been thought you were crazy to say we're going to legislate protecting that. And uh, but now. Uh, and because of the sexual and moral revolution, uh, it's not only uh, allowed, it's celebrated. And it's not only celebrated, it's codified and protected by law. And uh, so, um, but the second thing he said, which should be celebrated, is those who used to would have opposed it need to be condemned. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the way society used to look at those moral judgments, um it can't just be allowed to be another option for people. It has to be said that if you don't believe that way, it's wrong. And that's what I remember Josh McDowell talking about this 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And so the, now the entire Judeo Christian moral values that we grew up hearing you and I from mm-hmm. the word of God 
is um, wrong. It's wrong to feel that way. It's hate speech. It's uh, it's against human happiness and us. You know, we we you know we are joy killers and we're bigots and mm-hmm. we're homophobes. That's what the words they use. And and then he goes into the third issue, which is personal. That those who don't celebrate are going to have to get out of the way. We got to get rid of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't, uh, and and they coerce you. How do they coerce you? We're already seeing it. Uh, you're shut out of your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you know you're put out if you don't buy into certain mindsets. You're fired, and it doesn't matter if it happened. Uh, a few years ago, look at Max Lucado. I mean, like what just happened with him last week. So as we think about things, um, now the laws are about to change. And, and look what uh, Biden has said his one of his highest priorities is the Equality Act, mm-hmm. which is uh, now coming before the House. And uh, last Thursday, they intro- they they announced that they're introducing that in Congress now. They introduced it under President Trump, but and even though it passed the House, it never really got on the floor of the Senate. But now it's a, a little different because mm-hmm. now there's a thin majority in the Senate. There's a thin majority in the House, and there's a, a President Biden who's going to support it, who said it's his highest priority, and the Secretary of State who says he wants to put a gay pride flag on every U.S. embassy in the world. And so... When you look at everything going on, the point Mueller was making this morning is you got people like Mitt Romney, who supposedly was a staunch conservative as far as moral values are concerned, is now saying, well, if they would give a religious exclusion, then I might consider it, which he's communicating, hey, you need to think about this thing. Now, it's... if. If you have a religious exclusion, that doesn't mean a whole lot, even though they say it, Mm -hmm. Uh, because you look at what's already happened. It's not even codified yet, and bakers are forced to bake cakes for people they don't want to bake for Mm -hmm. because that's considered hateful, even though it violates their First Amendment religious rights to have that conviction Uh, because it's been proven that is something that can change in people. Now you have anti-conversion laws on the books in local municipalities that say if you try to give a homosexual or lesbian therapy to convert them, that's illegal, and you can be fined, you can lose your license. And so all these things that are coming as a result of this are probably going to happen and the church had better be ready to step up and know how to articulate what the Bible says and how are you going to, where are you going to stand on it? And when you go, well, you know, I don't feel like that's, that, that's just one issue of many. It is, but it is, a, it is an issue that has defined a suppression of truth about God according to God's word from Romans 1. I mean, it doesn't say that about greed. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that about other things. And people always go, why do Christians make such a big deal about this issue? Well, one, it is a huge deal when Paul wrote the Romans because he says, this is the sign of God's judgment against you. You move from sexual uh, immorality 
to homosexual immorality to a debased mind to now I've seen this picture. If I have to see this picture of this six foot six guy pretending to be a girl out in California one more time, I think I'm going to puke because the guy is, it's just, it's ridiculous. He's in his forties going to a community college mm-hmm. playing basketball as a girl with all these young girls out there. I think the tallest one might be five, 10, five, 12, 11. And he's like, six foot six i mean it's it's so ridiculous to to rob them of that and now he comes and steals all that and i'm not going to refer to him as a woman because he's not a woman he's a man pretending to be a woman Mm -hmm. which the bible also talks about so all that to say is we better we better figure out pretty quickly where we're going to stand on the issue and and be people of conviction because it's coming. Yeah, you know, I, I'm. You know, you're talking about churches, and churches need to be ready. And you know, it's my fear that there's going to be a lot of churches who say, "Well, you know, we can actually reach more people if we just stop talking about this and, and we focus on all the other issues, and you know, we'll just not reference this, not talk about it, so that way we avoid controversy." And you know, that's just a slippery slope down towards you know being a woke church or being a you know, a church that. Uh, preaches critical race theory or like that church in Tennessee that says the Bible's not the word of God, basically, you know, um, so you have to hold the line on the truth and not compromise on the truth. When you start compromising on the truth, you start being silent about what the truth is. You're headed towards, you know, know, your own destruction. Yeah. What, you know, he he brings this point out that I want to try to get into is that, you know, when they talk about a religious exemption, it usually is for churches, synagogues, mosques, and Christian institutions. But what about, um, you know, a Christian university? Mm. That's not really considered a Christian institution for the the state. Uh, most of that university would come under the Equality Act. So even if you're like a church that has a university or even a a, a secondary school, mm-hmm. um, then that the school function will have to that they won't have an exemption for the school function only in the ministry function of the university. Like if they have a ministry department, but mm-hmm. not in the business department, not in the medical department, like a Baylor, mm-hmm. not in the legal department. Um, the freedom of religion and a religious expression uh, can't be reduced to segments like that Mm -hmm. it applies across the board and that's what uh, you know it's a problem for us as christians we can't segment our spiritual life into a component Mm -hmm. it does affect you when you go to work it does affect you when you're out in the world and for people who say well i don't i can't do that you can practice your spirituality in your workplace. It, I mean, it just means that you have the freedom to express who you are without being inhibited. That's what the First Amendment does. When we come back, we'll pick up on that. All right. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store 
or over the internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. That is Give Me Your Eyes by Brandon Heath. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us right before the break, we were talking a little bit about what a religious exemption uh, would mean in the context of the Equality Act. And Doug was sharing that it, it doesn't mean, it's not as broad of a term as what I was envisioning, but really it only uh, affects ministries, uh, you know, like churches, synagogues, and mosques. But so are you saying it uh, according to what uh, um, Al Mohler says, it probably would not uh, affect a a small business owner? Well, yeah. And th- there was an article in the Washington Post he quoted on February 19th, just a few days ago. And here's what it says. I mean, th- it, it, it basically says that the government should respect private worship, but it also has a high interest in, in ensuring activities occurring in the public square are fair and equitable, according to them. Yeah. And so they would and, and so you gotta remember the Equality Act gives anyone who claims to be a homosexual, a lesbian, a queer, a whatever all those letters mean, civil rights protected in the same way that people of color received that civil rights back in the sixties when that passed. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just going to tell you that that will be the first time that I know in history where we give protected status, I believe, and I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, you can, you can correct me if you're listening, but I don't know that we've ever given, given civil rights, protected status to people because of what they do. Yeah. Other than, Religious worship. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you're free to practice the religion, um, and free to practice speech from the First Amendment and owning a gun. But those are the only three things I know of that were protected like that. We've never for people to go out and have their sexual desires or whatever they do sexually, their sexual activity, how they describe themselves sexually be legally a protected status, or even now transgender, somebody who has gender dysphoria is going to be codified as to legally protected status in the same way that a person of color could claim legally protected status against discrimination. Yeah, and you know, it's really, uh, it's because the argument and the way that they've really won the argument in the cultural realm is that um, your sexual orientation is something that it, you don't have a choice in, that it's an, an immutable part of who you are in the same way that color is and uh that's not the case it's not the same as uh you know your color that that you're born with it it's it's not the same and you know we can say that it's it's deeply ingrained but it is not at the same level as um as color is well it would affect 
uh, parachurch ministries. It would affect uh, Christian universities and colleges. Listen, he said that this bill would represent the greatest threat to religious liberty in decades in our country. Uh, And so, and it has uh, the full support and even the priority of the person who is now president of the United States, who John MacArthur calls our king now, because he says hmm. we, we don't have a president anymore. We have a king uh, because of the way all of it happened. And, uh, you know, he's not avo- he's not really avoiding the culture war. He's waged full into it, and he is not, he is not on the side of people of faith. He is not standing for biblical values. He's not standing for protecting people with biblical values. And if you don't believe that, uh, or if you feel differently, feel free to call in and show me where he's doing that. I want to know because he he is not doing that. And it is it is really taking us to a place that's going to be, I think, uh, like uh, Moeller said, one of the worst uh, bills to ever pass as far as religious freedom goes in our country. But that being said, you know, John MacArthur made a statement again last week, which I, I, I hadn't thought about it a whole lot till he said it, but he's not for religious freedom. Mm. He said, I, I, I'm not going to advocate for Muslims. I'm not going to advocate for Buddhists. Uh, I believe in the one true living God, Yahweh. That's, that's the God I serve. That's the God I advocate for. I, I don't really believe in religious freedom i'm teaching that what you believe if you don't believe in yahweh is wrong Mm. yeah (laughs) i mean so when he's saying that he's basically he's not saying oh we need to you know expel all the muslims he's saying like no there's not it's it's not equivalent yeah yeah he's saying i'm not saying there's equality there yeah that's he says if people people nobody should be forced into any belief but the reality is, I, I I don't believe they're all equal yeah. either, and that's the that's a misnomer mm-hmm. that sometimes people use or say. You know, well, that yeah. they're all equal. Yeah, you see the coexist bumper stickers, and in the way it's presented uh, in the context of the culture, is that really you know it's all worshiping the same God more or less, and you know all espousing the same morals. But that's uh you know just not true. And if you get into any sort of looking at any of the religions on their own they're they're vastly different and they come from different um places and is christianity that uh gives the most full explanation of who we are and who god is and that's because it's you know from god it is god uh talking to his creation uh and trying to win their hearts back to him yeah well you know the the fact is that what this thing will pass it's it, it it's basically saying we're not going to discriminate on who you want to love or how you want to love people and the, the sexual activity you want them. But we pass boundaries. We have boundaries. It's just that now, are, are those boundaries going to uh, erode away in 10, 15 years? Probably, mm-hmm. if we keep going on. You already see some ev- evidence of that. But, you know, as believers, again, we need to decide where we're going to fall down on this. Uh, we're going to have to be faced with it. You can say, I don't, I want to focus on other things, but the bottom line is if you're silent, when that issue comes to you and you don't speak the truth to it in the same way that God said to Ezekiel, 
I'm going to hold you responsible for people I've brought into your life that you refuse to speak the truth to as my servant. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so the church has been so compromising in so many ways here in this country. And that's what we're speaking about this week. We're actually talking about the life of the church from acts two. And, you know, it was a great passage to work through last week. Uh, remember, we, we talked about the birth of the church uh, last week here on the radio, and um, the birth of the church happened with all these supernatural signs, and and then you have 3,000 people automatically added to the church there in Acts chapter 2, not because of a great outreach plan, not because of anything other than the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to see this week in Acts 2 is how a church that is functioning under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, how they function in their attention, what they give attention to, in their attitude, um, and then also their actions. And that's really, it's only, you know, six verses, Acts 42 through 47. Very, very small passage this week, but it's so packed. In fact, a lot of people may have heard the acronym WIFE, Worship Instruction fellowship and expression as a way uh, that that comes from this text that they talk about this is what the church should embody but i really think that um you know when we look at the american church we have so been influenced by the entertainment side of our culture that that has really factored into the way we do our meetings on sunday as compared to the way they did their meetings on Sunday or, or mon- whenever they got together. It, it was one day of week where they would get together as believers for the express purpose of hearing the apostles teach, fellowshipping together, praying, and then going out and expressing that in community together. And we have made it much more about the event of getting together. I mean, we're not getting together because we're share, we're not known for getting together because of our shared community. We're known for getting together because, wow, we have a great worship team, or we have a great pastor who preaches really good. He's a great communicator. Or we have we're we're known for this thing on Sunday morning. Now, I'm not saying this about all churches here in this country, but a large majority of them make everything on Sunday about unbaptized in the spirit people that come to that church. And a lot of that can be tracked back to Robert Schuler out in the crystal cathedral. Who's kind of the godfather of the, uh, you know, seeker sensitive movement. And he mentored and trained a guy named Bill Hybels who led uh, Willow Creek church. And Hybels actually repented of this a few years ago where a lot of che- people were modeling after what he did but it made that Sunday gather time about unbelievers and the unconverted and the unbaptized in the spirit people rather than that gathering time at church, what people would consider church about the people who were baptized in the spirit. And so as we look at this text this week, I hope that you'll stay tuned and you'll, you'll, you'll join in with us to really look at the text to see what the early church gave its attention to their attitude and their actions and um, and really keep in mind kind of as a backdrop that the churches today tend to blur the lines between 
born again or born in the spirit believers and posers or professors or people who are just curious. And so we wonder why our churches are so deluded and we hear all these milk toast sermons and messages and preaching that really isn't powerful. And a lot of times our, our church services are so scripted and so planned that there's no room for the Holy Spirit. In fact, I heard one guy say if Jesus himself showed up, he wouldn't be allowed to preach because it wasn't on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. I mean, can you imagine that? I yeah. mean, like I go to Russia or India, and as a brother who's recognized by the brothers there, they recognize the spirit in me, and we in partnership together, and I come in, and the first thing they say when I go to a visiting church, brother, will you share a word of encouragement to the people today? And I'm like, how long? They say, it doesn't matter. Just get up, and whatever God leads you to teach on or share about, share with our people. And you go, I mean, can you imagine that happening here? I mean, can you, I mean, just some guy showing up. First of all, security would escort him right out mm-hmm. if he tried to go up on the stage in most places. Yeah. They're not going to let it. And, I mean, I've introduced a guy, one of the guys we've had on the program before, who was imprisoned for 15 months to a guy out in a church, out out in another state, to try to have him connect with him because I thought, man, he would be a great person to share possibly about what his experience was as a beaten for Christ in, mm-hmm. in prison. I mean, how often do you get a chance to talk to somebody who's endured that right. and survives it? And he he was there, and he was pretty much got the political, what I call the political handshake and smile. Mm-hmm. Thank you, nice to meet you, and out of there. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, you wouldn't see that in another country. Uh, if they know you're a believer, they want you to share, especially if they know you're a preacher. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's just all become about an event. And we're going to look at this week how that early church functioned and the way they handle it. So. All right. So make sure you stay with us. We will be back with more after the news. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWATradio.com. We'd also like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, and all of you listening here locally, 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkston, Georgia. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was Mercy Me with Even If. If you are just joining us this week, we are looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, which is the life of the church, talking about um, right after the birth of the church, what the followers of Christ were doing and how they were living their life. 
um, and how it's different from what we're doing today. So uh, we are getting into that this week. That's what we'll be uh, focusing on all week. Uh, so we are happy that you're here and you are listening to what we're talking about. Yeah. Hey, two quick things. One, thank you to all the people who've been texting and emailing about Dr. Merritt's uh, program last Thursday. If you want to um, hear it, you can go to SWATradio.com, click on last week's programs, and just listen to the Dr. Merritt interview, okay? The Dr. Merritt interview. And uh, and listen, really good info about COVID, about uh, coronavirus, and appreciate all that helpful feedback. Second thing, real quick, is Iron Sharpens Iron this weekend on Saturday. Uh, it's going to be Saturday, February 27th at uh, the Mandarin Presbyterian Church. And for more information, you can go to ironsharpensiron.net. That's ironsharpensiron.net. And uh, uh, click on conferences and you'll see Jacksonville. And you can uh, listen up. H.B. Uh, Charles will be speaking there along with Vaughn McLaughlin. I'll be sharing a couple other guys. So uh, it's a really good one-day conference uh, uh, for training. Um, you know, Taylor... Uh, going back to Acts chapter 2, remember Luke wrote to uh, Acts as a follow-up to the Gospel of Luke, and it's the unfolding story of how God worked, first of all, through his son in Luke and uh, resurrected his son after the uh, crucifixion. And then uh, in Acts chapter 1 uh, and 2, what we've covered so far is he's poured out his spirit on his followers and now the followers are picking up. Now that Jesus has ascended, the Holy Spirit's come. We see the birth of the church. Peter stands up, preaches this incredible Holy Spirit-filled uh, message of um, about Jesus, his life, supernatural life, his uh, resurrection, uh, death and resurrection, his ascension. And he gives this invitation. 3,000 people respond. And what now? You've got 3,000 brand-new believers, and you've got 120. Now, stop and think about that for a second. Uh, that's Each believer would have to take 30 people to disciple. Mm. I mean, you, mm. but they didn't think about that then. They just did what they were told to do. And uh, you, you have to ask, how did they function then as a church? How? I mean, they didn't have a structure to meet in other than the temple. They probably met on the temple steps, I assume, Um probably as they got together for teaching. Um, but when you think about today's churches in America, and that's the dominant experience that you and I have is here, even though I've experienced other countries' churches, most of the church experience I have is here being around people in this country. Today it appears like a lot of people chase uh, an experience, uh, excitement. In fact, there's a large church up in the Atlanta, Georgia area. My wife and I went to one time and a lot of people like that church. And I've even heard people say, man, it was like a Christian concert. Mm -hmm. That would not have been the descriptive for the new Testament church. And people go, well, we live in a different time. We do. But when people come seeking an event, instead of seeking to come together around the word, as a shared community, which is what the early church did, and they seek these fun, wild experiences, it can lend itself to, uh, you know, I don't like that church because the music's not that good because mm -hmm. you start comparing. Right. Uh, I don't like that preacher. 
oh man, he preaches too much, or you know, he's boring. Uh, he he reads his sermons. By the way, one of the most prolific preachers in American history is a guy named uh, Jonathan Edwards. You know, he read his sermons monotone in order to not influence people with his personality, but so it would just purely be the word of God. And that word explained that God and the Holy Spirit moved to change people. And one of his sermons called Sinners in the Hands of an Anger God was so convicting, people left claw marks in the actual handrails on the benches there. Mm. I mean, that's it was so convicting. And so, but when you seek an experience and you seek to make the church an event, what ends up happening is you end up attracting a lot of people and the lines are blurred between believer and poser. And, uh, and if the people that make up the church are not baptized in the spirit believers, the church is compromised. And so in this text that you're about to read, it, it lays out in Acts 2, 42 through 47, what the life of the church looks like, one body doing life together in community. And, and like I said, we see how the church functions in its aim. I mean, its attention, its aim, uh, kind of its attitude and its actions. So I'm going to have you read it, and we're going to come back and look specifically at its attention. Where did the church initially focus its attention? And is that a good place for us to focus ours? So go ahead and read 42 through 47 of Acts chapter 2. All right. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers, uh, their number, excuse me, day by day, those who were being saved. So notice the first thing they, uh, they focused on, the attention, was the apostles' teaching. Uh, it says over in verse 42, they devoted themselves. And I just wonder if you're listening today, what are you devoted to? If somebody around you, had to uh, tell what you were devoted to, what would they say? Would they say to God, to his teaching, to his word? Um, would they say something else? It's, it's interesting to me that that's what they start off with. They devoted themselves. They applied themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is about doctrine. It's about biblical truth. And, I think about what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6. He says, Timothy, be trained in the words of the faith. It's going to be hard for us to proclaim to others what the faith is if we don't know the words of the faith. I mean, just to to know it in theory, and that's why you got to remember, for these believers, what was the words of the faith to them? Mm the words of Jesus and the uh, law of Moses? Well, it was the law of Moses for sure. And it was the words of Jesus. But remember, what did Jesus do with them? He explained the Torah. Hmm. He explained the Tanakh. He explained the Old Testament. So their scripture was the Old Testament. So when you have a guy says, we need to detach from the Old Testament today, 
and only focus on the resurrection, we're missing out on a whole lot of foundational truth Mm -hmm. that is there pointing to the resurrection. And I mean, I, I think it's, I understand what that guy was trying to say. And what he said is simply, cause I heard him say it. I heard the message that he said it in is he said, you know, people today don't read the Bible. Well, that's why you have to know the Bible cause you can tell them what the Bible says. But he discounted that by saying, you know, um, they don't care that you say the Bible says this. But, you know, I remember Billy Graham one time training a, a, gr- a group of people. And he wasn't the only one. It was uh, another guy named Stephen Olford, a great preacher. And uh, even Leighton Ford uh, also said this, too. That, that when you say the Bible says, you're talking about God's word saying. Now, whether people believe you or not, whether they care about it or not, that's not up to you. You are standing under the authority of God's word when you say the Bible says. The Bible is God's word. And when you say the word of God or the Bible says, then you are proclaiming, if you proclaim what his word says and not your opinion, the the doctrine of God. And Jude 3 says, contend earnestly for the faith. And when you live in a culture that seeks experiences, we have to go back to 2 Peter 2.19. Now, you remember when Peter's describing to the people in this letter, he's writing to people that are being persecuted, and people are seeking experiences even back then. This is not new to our culture. And he says, listen, I was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with James and John. I was up there. And, and I saw this incredible sight. I had this unbelievable spiritual experience. The Son of God, Jesus, was transformed in front of my eyes. It was unbelievable. But, he says, we have a more sure word, a more sure prophetic word, he said. And he's referring to the Old Testament. And he's saying, we have the Scriptures. And we cannot, so many people today want an experience. They want somebody else to speak to them like God. I mean, they want somebody else to be God to them mm. instead of letting God speak to them through his word. This is kind of the problem I have with Jesus calling. I, I do, because in the Jesus calling, that lady speaks. And they, listen, if you don't believe me, if you can go find an old copy of that book, you go look at the first part of it, the preface, and go look at some of the things that she says in there about needing more than the Bible. Mm. See, they've scrubbed all that because Lifeway knew they were getting blowback from people. But listen, that listen, I'm not saying the lady has to be perfect, but when you start saying you need more than the Bible, that's not somebody I'm putting a lot of stock into because it leads to that other thing we saw last week where the Bible's no longer God's word to us. So right. anyway. All right, we are up against the break. We will be back with more when it is over. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. 
If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walks away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed for the good Lord. That is Rescuer by Ren Collective. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we have been talking about Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, which really goes into how the church was living life after the creation of the church that we talked about last week. So if you would like to join the discussion or you have any questions, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Yeah, you know, just to, I, I, I'm not going to harp on the Jesus calling. It's just such a popular thing, and I know a lot of people go, "Wow, that book has really ministered to me," and all mm-hmm. this. But a lot of that stuff was scrubbed. Now, why? You have to ask yourself, why would a book be scrubbed after its initial print and it goes out to a lot of people and they liked it? Except because that's what marketers do. They they knew they were going to get blowback, and here's one of the reasons. Uh, that and you won't see this, I don't think anymore in the preface to the book because they've scrubbed it. But it was in one of the the original printings. Uh, Sarah Young says, during 1992, I began reading God Calling, a devotional book by two anonymous listeners. These women practice waiting quietly in God's presence, pencil and paper in hands, recording the messages they receive from Him. This was her inspiration. Reading this book, God Calling, written by two anonymous female mystics. They claimed to tune in to just the right frequency, They to tune in God's frequency, and God began speaking to them. They were writing down what he said. I mean, now think about that. Uh, Sarah Young says this. She said, I knew that God communicated with me through the Bible, but I yearned for more. I mean, you, you start seeking an experience, and, and that, the only reason I say that is Sarah Young said, I decided to listen to God with pen in hand, writing down whatever I believed he was saying. Not what he was saying, but what I believed he mm-hmm. was saying. And she began writing that stuff down, and she put it in, and people bought it. And a lot of people like it. And the problem is, 
when you say that God told you something and you write it down for others, if God's saying it, it's authoritative. Mm. Now, this, that's different than explaining Scripture to somebody. Now, you can be wrong even in your explanation of Scripture. But you better be careful when you tell somebody God says, if it doesn't say it in his word, and you're saying God said this to me. Now, what happens a lot of times people says God said this to me, then they'll go to his word and and then they'll they'll find proof text to say, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, see, it's right here. And that's not the way the early church did it. That's the, the, the early church would explain just like Jesus. Remember what happened in Luke 24? Jesus walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus started with the scriptures and he explained to that mm-hmm. to them about him, what the scriptures said. And I think you have to be careful when you seek that experience. And so they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching. So, whether it's Jesus Calling or whatever book it is you're reading, if it's a book written by a person, even about spiritual things, it can minister to you. I'm not saying that God doesn't use people who write. There's a lot of good writers out there who write about how God has revealed his scripture to them and the truths of that scripture and how it's impacted their lives. Those are all good things to read, biographies. That's, that's good stuff. But those things can never supplant the Bible. They can't overtake the Bible as what you read. This is what you read from instead of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's your daily bread. That's your daily manna from God is that book or that devotional. If the devotional is not pointing you to Scripture and you're not getting to the Scripture, you might want to step back from that to get in the Word. And you go, well, Doug, I can't understand the Word. Well, you need to pray and ask God to help you understand the word, but you're not going to understand physics until you understand geometry. You're not going to understand geometry until you understand basic math. You're not going to understand basic math until you understand numbers. You got to start as a process in your spiritual life. But the Bible says you need no man to teach you. Doesn't mean that we don't have teachers and people God uses teachers in our life, but you don't need anybody. The Holy Spirit is who teaches. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to you. And so I just throw out that warning about that book or any book that overtakes the Bible as your prime, um, you know, your prime source of truth about God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching on the Bible about Jesus. That's what they did. And so Peter says, listen, we have a more sure prophetic word. He was talking about scripture than even our experience. And that experience was experiencing the glory of Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Colossians uh, verse three, Paul says to the Colossian church, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And, and I just think far too many of us give face time to God we just do a, a quick brief, and we would much more hear what God's doing in Sarah Young's life mm. or somebody else's life instead of letting him speak into our life through his word. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you Have know, you I, ever heard of that book, by the way? Yeah, I've heard of it. I didn't, I've never read it, but uh, I, I've 
heard. I mean, yeah, I've heard of it. Everybody's heard of that book. I, I feel like I don't know. My mom, uh, she had a copy of it, so I do. I, I've seen it before, but I haven't read it before. Um, I did have a question for you about. Um, uh, you were talking about the Bible says, and uh, what when you're speaking to um, somebody who's an unbeliever, w- would you say it would be acceptable to talk about the truths, the truths of the Bible? but not necessarily going, you know, telling them about, you know, this particular scripture that you got it from, but just talking about the truths of the Bible, especially if there's somebody who's jaded towards the the Bible in its of itself and then kind of get at them with reason and then bring them back around to, oh, see, this is where I got it from. Well, see, that was part of the issue with Ravi Zacharias. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was his whole approach. And the problem with some of that is that you begin to you begin to attack people with earthly wisdom. And remember what he says in the word, Greeks seek wisdom, Jews seek a sign, mm-hmm. and neither are going to be given. I mean, like, the, it, it's the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness of proclaiming God's word to people. To think that we can influence somebody is absurd. I mean, God can use you and he can use me, but not because of our skills, our gifts, our talents. It's only by the Holy Spirit in us, if that makes sense. So, um, and that was part of the, part of the issue with like, I mean, with what, again, I go back to the Sarah Young thing and I really didn't mean to get on this, but they, they devoted themselves in attention to the, the apostles teaching, not even to what their interpretation of that stuff was. And, you know, uh, when when Sarah Young uh, wrote in her introduction, she says, I've written from the perspective of Jesus speaking to help readers feel more personally connected with him. That's not her job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Mm-hmm. She says, so the first person, I, me, my, mine, always refer to Christ. You refers to you, the reader. And so, and when people confronted her on that, she kind of pushed back. Uh, and she, this is how she described her writing. She says, I began to wonder if I would, could change my prayer times from monologue to dialogue. I've been writing in prayer journals for years, but this was one way I did all the talking. So I wanted to hear what God might want to communicate to me on a given day, not through his word, mind you, but just through absorption sitting there, uh, moved in the spirit or moved to hear not hearing audible, but writing down what I heard in my mind. Now, she's, she, you know, she's writing down these things and she puts it out and she says, I knew that God communicated with me in the Bible and this is the part that gets me. And I don't think you see it in her books anymore, but I yearned for more than the Bible as it relates to knowing God. I wanted to hear what he had to say to me personally. And there's nothing wrong with seeking God's, you know, input into your life. But he gives us input through his word. I get up every morning. I read his word. I go into his word. I do pray to him. And yes, I pray and I sit in silence sometimes and I ask him, Lord, help me to understand what you want me to do today. Speak to me through people. Speak to me through your word and circumstances to help me know how you want me to best represent you in the world. Um, are there times that I feel prompted to do things? Absolutely. But to write those down and to tell people 
um, you know, to, to get people really pointed towards seeking an experience rather than just being faithful. If Listen, if you're faithful in studying the Word of God and praying to God, spending time alone with Him, meditating on His Word, listening for God to... Um, to speak into your life through his word and through his spirit. Uh, he brings circumstances into your life, and you do experience him. I experience him. It's just I don't seek that experience. Mm-hmm. I seek him. The experience comes through him. I don't, I don't know if that's making sense or if that's more confusing, but what she's doing is I, I hear a lot of people that 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 you know really hold her up in some almost priestess like way mm. of speaking into you know uh, of her book speaking into their life more than the bible does in fact people have said that you know and true prophecy from god and his speaking of his word doesn't come through intuition or or just uh, mysticism um and so when people get their own personal impressions and they write it down uh, and, and write that down as coming from God. That's like new revelation, mm-hmm. and that, and the Bible's pretty clear that we need to be careful of that. Yeah. And so again, can God use it in people's life? He has. I, I, he used a donkey, so he can mm-hmm. use anything he wants. But I'm just saying that when people make statements uh, like that, and then the publishers scrub them because they get blowback, it's, you just got to be careful. But Here's the thing to take away. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching on the Word of God. That was where they went, and that was the first thing they paid attention to. When we come back tomorrow, we're going to look at koinonia, fellowship, and prayers, and the rest of the stuff from Acts 2.42. All right, so that's all we have time for today, so make sure you tune in tomorrow to uh, hear us go further into Acts 2.42-47. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a nice day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual